When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who question why Hayden Panettiere isn't a professional (laughs) gymnast. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Tuping Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 2006's Bring It On, All or Nothing. Brittany Allen is the most popular girl in school, captain of the cheerleading squad. Good job, guys. Let's do that one more time. And soon to be prom queen. But her life is about to change because she's moving across town. I'm the cheerleader. I'm captain. My old squad would have made yours look like newbies. Prove it. Yeah, show us what you got. And today we are so excited to have Bobby of At The Afternoon Special with us. She is on every social media platform at that username, but she has 344.6K followers on her TikTok account, which is a lot of people. (laughs) Um, On her TikTok, she talks about all things pop culture, both present and past, and especially um, hits a lot of the content that we talk about, the films that we talk about. Yes, I'm super excited for her to be here too. There's a lot to discuss with this movie. She seems like the perfect person to unpack it with. So we have that to look forward to. Before that, you know, we have to do our hot take of the week. It's summertime. This feels thematic. Pool versus ocean. What are your thoughts? Ocean? Ocean. I mean, I don't know. I like them both, but if it's summer, then going to the actual ocean is like an option. Like if it's not really hot out, you know, it takes the, you have to be in a really hot climate to make going into the ocean make sense. Yes. Like you got to be really hot. That is true. Like you got to be sweating. That is true. So I feel like pools can be more of an all I mean, not all year round if you're living in like Ohio or New York or wherever, but like you can attain a pool. Yes. So during the summer, ocean. Okay. It depends on what the goal is. Like if you want to have a really memorable time, you definitely want to go to the ocean. But if you want to like read your little book and like sip on your little drink and not have to be like getting sand out of all your crevices for the rest of the day, then it's pool. So... But I am pro-ocean as well. I think it's more fun. Are you ready to get into the facts surrounding bringing on all or nothing? See. Okay. (laughs) 
So Bring It On All or Nothing was released on August 8th, 2006 and was rated PG-13. Um, it was directed by Steve Rash, just for the record, a white man, who is best known for directing Bring It On, In It to Win It, Can't Buy Me Love, Son-in-Law, The Buddy Holly Story, Good Advice, and Xenon Z3. And weirdly, not a lot of other things, I noticed. It was written by Alison Faust, the screenplay, um, who is a black woman. I feel like all of this matters to the dynamic of the story. I know I was really curious as I was researching all of this, but she's best known for writing Scary Movie 2, Bring It On, Fight to the Finish. And she also is a big TV writer and TV producer who has worked on Big Shot, The Cool Kids, All About the Washingtons, Till Death, Brothers, Everybody Hates Chris. Um, she wrote a lot of Wanda Sykes show episodes. And I just thought it was interesting that the first Bring It On was written by Jessica Bendinger, who also wrote Aqua Marine and if like other movies in our canon and she's white. And then the second Bring It On was written by three white people, including two men. So it's just like, I feel like race is a big part of this series. Not all of them, but like a decent amount of them. So I'm always just curious, like who are the people actually making it? And also the producer of this movie was a white man. Synopsis. So there were three different versions of of the synopsis and they were like from three different resources. It was like IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and I think like Wikipedia, but they're all written by different people. And I thought the word choices in each one were kind of interesting. So here is the first of three synopses. When her father gets laid off, prom queen shoe-in Brittany Allen has to drop out and transfer to her ritzy high school's underfunded crosstown rival. At her new school, Brittany is recruited for the cheerleading squad by its tough captain, Camille. As Brittany struggles to win the respect of her new peers, they prepare to face off against the squad at her old school for a chance to dance back up for Rihanna in her next music video. <laughs> this is the second one. A transfer student to a rough high school tries joining the cheerleading squad, and she not only faces off against the head cheerleader, but against her former school in preparation for a cheer-off competition. This one, I think, is reductive. But then we have the third one here. And also you can see keywords, underfunded, rough high school, and now uh, the third one. A senior cheerleader is at the peak of her high school career being the captain of the cheer squad and dating the star quarterback of the football team when unexpectedly her family is forced to endure the struggles of being relocated <laughs> to a somewhat ghetto area. Not being able to fit in, Brittany will have to make a choice whether to hold on to her old life or give in to her new one. I just thought the varying renditions of this were noteworthy. So those are the synopses. The first one is the most accurate. And it's really just like a show of how most likely how white people choose to navigate and um, like circumvent talking about race in a summary. Yes. Like that's literally like... <laughs> It's a mess. <laughs> the <laughs> underfunded and rough were notable to yeah. me. It's like coded. Yeah, coded it's very words. coded. I have bad news about the taglines, as you can see. Apparently, there is no tagline for Bring It On All or Nothing, although my guess is the title of the movie is kind of also a tagline. Yes. So it kind of feels like a bit redundant. Was this released on TV? No. 
It was straight to video. I am pretty sure. Oh, okay. Which I have questions about that that we'll get to later. How do you get Rihanna and Solange for your direct to video production? Well, first of all, that's that's a really profitable business at the time. Like think Mary Kate and Ashley, yeah. like box set. But it was also like, like getting kind of late for that. I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot more to that story as far as development and distribution. Yeah. Like maybe some things fell through. Yeah. Maybe it just didn't work out. Because clearly they had the budget. So let's get into this cast. So first of all, we have Hayden Panettiere in the lead role as Brittany. To me, she is an ice princess. That will always be her defining role to me. But she also is best known for being in Heroes, Remember the Titans, Scream 4, I Love You Beth Cooper, Nashville. And she was the voice of Dot in A Bug's Life, which I definitely knew but forgot. Next, we have Solange as Camille, at the time known as Solange Knowles-Smith. It's Solange Duh. To me, when I think of her, I think about the albums A Seat at the Table and When I Get Home. I know A Seat at the Table especially was really, really big when I was in college. Cranes in the Sky, a few other songs off that album I am aware of. And a lot of people who weren't necessarily like longtime fans of hers became aware of in that era. But her other credits, acting wise, there aren't a ton. She had little moments on The Proud Family and Taina. Shout out to Taina. But she's been obviously in her own videos, a good amount of Beyonce's videos. She also directed the video for The Weekend by SZA, which I did not know. Next, we have Giovanni Samuels as Kyresha. She was on All That. She's one of those people that just like is really joyful to watch. Uh, I really, really love her. Um, she was also in Freedom Writers. Uh, she's also really well known for being in this movie. She was also in Harbinger Down, Fatherhood, and she was Nia on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, which at first I thought that was what I remembered her from. But then I was like, oh no, she was on All That. And that's what I know her from. Next up, we have Francia Reza as Letty. She is Adrian on Secret Life of the American Teenager, which to me is her defining role. And if you haven't seen that show in a really long time, as probably most of you have, she's like the very stereotypical, like sexy Latina on that show. I'm currently re-watching it. And there are times where like, they literally play Spanish guitar when she enters the scene. Like it's just a trope for sure. But she also is on How I Met Your Father. She was on Grownish. She was in Life Size 2. And also in JoJo's video for the song Man, she's just like one of the gals having a good time uh, because there's like a party scene in that video. She's also very well known for having given a kidney to Selena Gomez. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, next we have Emmy Rylan as Winnie, arguably one of the most rotted villains I have ever seen in a movie. But Emmy Rylan has done so much TV. She was in 600, or she is still in this show, I think, in 617 episodes of General Hospital, 229 episodes of The Young and the Restless, and 396 episodes of Guiding Light. And all of this was after Bring It On. This was her third credit on IMDb. Next, we have Jake McDormand as Brad. Despite this movie's best efforts to defile him as a person in our hearts, um, he continues to be our man. He is uh, Raymond in Aquamarine, obviously. Um, but 
According to IMDb, he is best known for being in The Right Stuff, Watchmen, What We Do in the Shadows, and Lady Bird, which is respectable. But to me, it's like Aquamarine, Shameless, and Greek. That's what I think of him most from. And next we have Gustavo Carr as Jesse. He is best known for being in Star, also in Shameless, and East Los High. And then last but not least, we have actual Rihanna. (laughs) In this movie, just a just a sprinkling of Rihanna. All right, so budget not a known fact. Um, we do not know, and every sequel to Bring It On was direct to video, so probably the budget isn't known for any of those. Um, none of them got the original Bring It On treatment. Yeah. So critic consensus: this movie got a critic score of twenty percent. Um. And there is no critic consensus. There are only five critic reviews available for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes. So here's some little selections. Number one, if those are my choices, meaning bring it on or all or nothing, I'll go with nothing. Number two, older teens may find something to cheer about. Number three, Bring it on, all or nothing. Get snaps for its nightmarish homecoming scene. A nod to, of all movies, Carrie. The audience score was 70%. <laughs> That's a huge gap. Yes. That's crazy. A one-star audience opinion is that it is ice cream for your eyes. How would it be a treat for your eyes other than the fact that there's a lot of girls in cheerleading uniforms? I mean, a man probably wrote that, so that's what I'm saying. (laughs) You're not saying it with the disdain that it deserves. Another one-star opinion. Caricatures of every stock type seen through the eyes of a racist director, script writer, and studio all through the prism of peddling stereotypes. Embarrassingly bad cheerleader drama about a white girl who wears camouflage and cornrows in order to fit in the... Hood, a minstrel show that would make Al Jolson proud. <laughs> oh, shit. That person was not happy about this movie. I think it's like, especially as like a white person in 2022, it's really easy to go down that road. Yes. And then you find out like, oh, a black woman did write this. Like there is actually some, there's actually like a perspective to yeah. it. But it's under this lens of... um you know, commercial film, like a commercial yeah. film. So things get simplified and things become unnuanced. And that's where you run into some issues. Um, I mean, we don't know yeah. that a white person wrote this, though. So we don't. Yeah. So but but when I read it, th- that's what I identified with. My initial gut reaction rewatching this movie is is like kind of like yeah. that. I mean, damn, they invoked Al Jolson in their review of Bring It On All or Nothing. <laughs> that's insane. Like, that's just really a definitive stance. <laughs> a two-star review. What? Hayden Panettiere is hot. <laughs> I don't know what. What? <laughs> um, okay. A four-star review. I don't know why I loved this movie. Just did. Smiley face. <laughs> And then another four-star review, in all caps, similar to the first. (laughs) (laughs) Really good reviews Uh, there. I did a little uh, Twitter exploration, as I normally do, and this is what I could find that I thought was noteworthy. Tweet number one. 
Whoever wrote that one scene in Bring It On All or Nothing deserves the electric chair. This is the first of many comments regarding the crumping scene. So someone else said, the crumping scene from Bring It On All or Nothing haunts my nightmares. The third one, Bring It On All or Nothing was a cultural reset. The fourth one, the way I cringe every time I watch that scene from Bring It On All or Nothing. You know what they're talking about, the crumping scene. <laughs> okay, these last two are for you, Audrey. <laughs> Bring It On All or Nothing is on fucking Tubi. They done did it again, bringing back a classic. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one, Tubi finally got Bring It On All or Nothing on there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Get with the program, We should get a everybody. sponsorship from Tubi. <laughs> yeah, I bet we, we could should. write an email being like, give us $10 and we will talk more about Tubi. I'm like organically peddling their service. <laughs> so I guess that is what they would want. Yeah. Cultural context of 2006. There were a lot of things I could have picked, but I thought that just putting the top 10 uh, chart topping songs of the year would be evocative enough. So let's take turns. Let's go from 10 all the way up. At number 10. We have Check On It by Beyonce featuring Slim Thug. Number nine is Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake featuring Timbaland. <laughs> At number eight, we have Riding by Chameleonaire <laughs> featuring Crazy Bone. <laughs> number seven, Crazy by Gnarls Barkley. Number six, Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. Uh, number five, Hips Don't Lie, Shakira featuring Wyclef Jean. You gotta leave. Wyclef. <laughs> Go ahead. He just did the, he did the composed music for the podcast I edited. Ooh, okay, Wyclef Jean. Yeah. Number four, You're Beautiful by James Blunt. I don't like, I'm beautiful. <laughs> That's a really good impersonation. <laughs> Thanks. Number three, Promiscuous, Nelly Furtado featuring Timbaland, a two-time, two-time charter. I heard this song at a bar on Saturday night, and let me tell you, it did get the people It's a going. great song. It did. It's a really good song. Yeah. Okay, number two. Temperature by Shana Paul. And number one, when you had a bad day, you're taking one down. My favorite thing. By Daniel Powder. And my favorite thing about this song being number one is that if you may recall, this was the rejection song on American Idol. Yeah. Like if you got sent home, you would play Bad Day by Daniel Powder. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny. Like, that is so funny to me. Yeah. That's also a Ruby Tuesday song. Yeah. A few of these are. And so is... Unwritten. Unwritten, too. When did we first watch this movie, and what do we remember? I'm sure we saw it on ABC Family first. Yes. And I probably came into it halfway through and was like, I don't... <laughs> was like, what is this? And then would just basically watch it when it was on and I was watching TV. <laughs> but yes, same for me. I remember the crumping scene, obviously, but at the time I did not find it to be troubling because I was in like fifth grade. I think I did find it a little troubling, but not because of it being cringeworthy, just because of it being like, 
like there being sexual tension. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of weird sexual tension in this movie. Or just like sexual touching. Yeah. But we'll get to that uh, once we have yeah. Bobby with us. Which is like a characteristic of Bring It On, even in the first That's movie. That's true. But it's, it feels yeah. more heavy handed in this one. So I didn't have many memories until I rewatched it, which I did do on Tubi over the weekend. So if you would like to refresh yourself on this very entertaining movie, please do. And then meet us back here for our conversation with Bobby of the afternoon special. And we're about to get into it. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. We are back with Bobby. We're so excited to have you to talk about Bring It On, All or Nothing, which for some reason I thought was the second movie that is fully not the second movie. <laughs> it just feels to me. I Then again, I don't know if I've seen the second one. Have you? The second one, I've seen basically all of the Bring It On movies. I call myself a Bring It On connoisseur. I, oh, I love the French. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm obsessed with it. Um, but the second one is not <laughs> great. <laughs> I wouldn't call it very iconic or memorable, but I enjoy it because I just like cheerleading movies. But Yeah. Yeah. Which is like the best state of yeah. the best type of person to watch these movies is one who can just be entertained by cheerleading like at the low you know like baseline baseline just very yeah very simple I'm the same I'm pretty much the same yeah. way like I I will just enjoy watching the cheerleading so our first question is because we always talk about this at the end of the first half when it's just the two of us when was the first time you saw this movie and what was your like initial uh reaction or like thoughts to it upon seeing it oh first time. Oh my gosh. It probably was, um, so AB, like, you, did you guys watch ABC Family? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> when they would do like the bring it on weekends, that's probably the first time I watched oh, yeah. it. Um, Cause it would just like marathon mm -hmm. all the movies up until that point um, for the whole weekend. And so that's probably the first time that I saw it. And I think I was like, wow, what a film this is. <laughs> and I like I didn't have the like, um, I don't know, critical eye that I look at movies with now. So I really just went in 
on vibes and vibes alone. And I had a I had a blast. Now, <laughs> revisiting it as a 23-year-old, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> very, very interesting. <laughs> very interesting scripts and some story decisions that mm-hmm. were made. But I know we'll get into it later. Yeah. So would you have been, like, how old do you think you would have been? Mm, probably maybe like nine or 10. Like very young. Or early yeah. exposure. <laughs> Very early exposure. Very, very early exposure. They got me, they got me early. Bring it on. Indoctrinated me early. Yeah, this was definitely the first bring it on that I saw. And we definitely both saw it on ABC Family the first time that we saw it. I think it was like direct to video or like something like that. There was no way it got a theatrical release. But I was saying to Audrey in the first half that like, For a direct-to-video movie, they had, like, some really big and good songs, like, in the movie itself. Yeah, the licensing was going crazy. How? Yeah, absolutely. Like, the amount of my happy ending, the same chunk of my happy (laughs) ending that's played in that movie. Like, I enjoy it, but I'm also like, they couldn't even pick a different cut. It's like the same verse. It's the second verse over and over uh, again. uh, And then every single time, like, okay, no other parts of this song. No other parts. It's always, you got your some friends. (laughs) That part. I guess they were like, lyrically, this fits. Let's just shove it into the movie. We normally go through. Good, bad, and problematic. And then I like to just, I have my own little category called notable, where I just write things down that I don't moralize. It's just things that feel noteworthy. But a lot of the good (laughs) things I wrote were more like pleasurable cringe, (laughs) if that makes sense. So (laughs) there aren't many like actually good things. We would love for you to go first. Oh my gosh. This is so much pressure. (laughs) Uh, good, I think, a good thing off the top of my head is this the sheer presence of so many, like, mid-2000s, like, teen stars, like Hayden Panettiere, Solange. Um, oh, my gosh. I think Giovanni Samuels, she was on, like, all that. And, like, she was in a lot of things, like, in the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. Just seeing them every mm-hmm. time I watch this movie, I'm like, wow, they really shoved in the stars. And also Rihanna, a baby Rihanna in this. Yeah. yeah. And it's so the way that they um I never really noticed it when I was a kid, but watching it now, the like actual music video at the end where the kids are <laughs> in so front funny. of the green screen and then you know how they'll like cut to the wide shot that's like supposedly them on set like shooting the music video. Yeah. Rihanna is just um placed in into that shot like she's not just superimposed yes she's not actually there and I never (laughs) realized that until this watch I was like oh wow okay maybe you could have just not done this shot you could have just shown the music video since it was on a green screen anyway but it's funny it just it felt like a bigger deal watching it like when I was younger I was like wow they do like an actual music video at the end and it's so fun. And then going back and watching it now, I'm like, oh, no, this was very poorly shot and edited. Yeah. Like, this is actually not a music video. Um, But I would love to hear like the story of how Rihanna got involved. Like, I don't know how this came about, but it's like, it almost feels like this movie is happening because of her. (laughs) <laughs> in some way, like 
Yeah. They were like, we need to create a story around somehow Rihanna being involved in the movie. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past them, honestly. Right. I no, because like that's a right. huge help to any film to get somebody like Rihanna involved. And also I feel like the element of helping your school, like the whole thing is about getting new computers for the school. That also seems on brand for Rihanna, like something she would be interested in. So I'm just like, I'm just mm -hmm. like, can this be real? <laughs> like, please. please. <laughs> oh my God. And also like, if they did make it around Rihanna, it is an interesting choice to put her in literally the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, and you do, some would say, suffer through the first half of the movie just to get to her. So <laughs> You do. Yeah. A choice. Yeah. A choice. I also have a side question, which is, Bobby, have you seen, I'm sure you have, but you've seen like the non-ABC Family cut of this movie, I'm right? I'm pretty sure I have. I'm trying to remember because I think it's on wherever it's like streaming on either like Hulu or Peacock, I can't remember. I think that might be the non-ABC family cut. Yeah. And I watched it for the first time and I was like, yes. wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because I feel like a lot of the most like memorable stuff didn't make it into the ABC family cut. Definitely not. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure. No. That could contribute to like why the rewatch is so extra um scary <laughs> because the, the tv edit um definitely cut out a lot of things as they usually do but it just seemed like a watered down version of what i just watched and i'm like <laughs> a lot yeah. safer too yeah just safer yeah. all around mm -hmm. And I kind of seem to remember on the ABC Family Cut, like a lot of ADR when people's mouths wouldn't even be matching up to what they had over it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I always knew in my core that mm -hmm. it was different than like what it was supposed to be, but I didn't know like how until this past weekend. And now I know. <laughs> now you have both perspectives, both scary, but yes. both perspectives. <laughs> There's yes. still a lot of tragic Definitely. ADR in, in the, the version that's on Tubi. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's some really bad ADR in there too. That's like not even them saying, not even covering up bad words or something. It's just like they legit add, you know, a lot of times you'll add a line, like you're looking at the side of someone's um, face and then they'll ADR in a line that just wasn't there in the first place. There was, a, there was a lot of that I was noticing. Yeah. I think they were like, yeah. oh, this script is... <laughs> wow so we need to add some more lines to make this make sense yeah when all of the people were like all the girls had taken their shoes off and they're like dancing barefoot <laughs> I was just like no way this is the first thing we're seeing is that it's like these girls getting down barefoot like at a school dance like <laughs> that's just like really I, I, that was the first thing I wrote down. I was like, this is notable. And then I wrote down, oh, it's a dream. <laughs> and then it well, all made sense. But I feel like that is realistic, that it is. actually. Well, you know, you realize, yeah. obviously, that, like, it's a reference to the first movie where the beginning is also a dream. And it's like a take two intensified oh, right. version of the first movie. Yeah. I think I will say every Bring It On movie does start with a dream sequence. Oh, like, okay. that's like... All of them do it. None 
are like ever as iconic as the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're all like this one where they're like doing a very cheesy cheer. They throw in some stunts. It's like, okay. And then something jostles the main character awake and they're just like, oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're none of them like never get quite as iconic as the first one. But I will say like all Bring It On movies like follow a similar like structure like they're all the same just different Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. and like I don't know they all take place in high school or at a camp or at a cheer competition with Rihanna it's all the same (laughs) (laughs) the usual (laughs) well yeah that's good to know that like the format I think I have seen the last one but like I don't remember a thing (laughs) I don't remember a (laughs) thing one thing that I do appreciate, although I don't like how they portray him, is Jake McDorman. <laughs> I appreciate Jake McDorman <laughs> being there because we love, Hannah and I love Aquamarine so much. And he's in that movie and yeah. we just, we love him as a person. Like when he gets to play a nice person, it's just, it's great. Um But he doesn't get to play a nice person in this movie. And I feel like in the beginning of his career, he definitely was getting a lot of uh, that type of role. Douchebag role. Yeah. 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 That's Brad, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, when I was watching, (laughs) when I was watching this, I was like, oh my gosh, that guy looks so familiar. And I realized I remember seeing him in What We Do in the Shadow. So I completely blocked out that he was an aquamarine. Um. But yeah, I that is a good for me because he only got like hotter with age. Uh, so that's on mm-hmm. my good list for this movie. Yes. Is introducing me to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And he like later on uh, in 2017, he like plays the teacher in Lady Bird. And um, I was when I first saw Lady Bird, I was like, this is the best movie ever created. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, I just. It came way out of left field. And then, like, Beanie Feldstein's character is, like, in love with him. And it's just, that's perfect. Like, that's perfect casting. It is very perfect. He just shows up in things. Yeah. And I don't realize it until later. I'm like, oh, that's Brad from Bring It On All or Nothing. I just, I appreciated this, but I also thought it was really funny, which was, like, imagine a world in which, okay, just both of these things. First of all, a world in which Rihanna (laughs) would pick, like, the white team over the black yeah. team. <laughs> or like the majority non-white team. I'm like, there's no, like also look at the way they're performing. No way. Like there's literally no way that would ever happen in a million years. And then beyond that, imagine being so racist <laughs> to Rihanna's face also in front of a crowd of like hundreds of people. <laughs> like just the whole thing. I was just like, <laughs> how did this happen? Like, how are we watching this? Wrote this? I always think about that scene too. I'm like, yeah. I cringe because I'm like, you said to Rihanna's face, <laughs> oh, and they're so ghetto. What? Yeah. <laughs> and you thought you'd get away with it? And you thought she'd be like, yeah, they yeah. are. What did she, what was she expecting Rihanna to say? Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused. Yeah. And then the part when she was like, Oh, I knew you'd understand or whatever, like that <laughs> moment where she like thinks Rihanna's going to take her side. It's just like that that actress has to do a lot of really heinous yeah, shit in this I movie. Bad for but her. that part especially. Honestly, there, it's just certain aspects of it. I'm like, you do that 
a little too well. A little some of those, too easily. Some of those mm-hmm. slurs were slipping out of your mouth with a little bit too much <laughs> grace. I get to think you're a good actress, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> the whole crux of it, like the whole crux of the movie is like, I do think that there's some like truth in that it's kind of a remake, but like flipped of the first movie yeah. in that a lot of it takes place mm-hmm. at like at the black school. Mm-hmm. But... A lot of this, like, it's interesting that Bring It On, the first Bring It On, which add, like, and a pretty interesting commentary on, like, you know, like, kind of imbalances and race and, like, you know, whole cultural appropriation thing. Like, it did some pretty transformative mm-hmm. stuff. And then you get to this movie and they're just like, we're going to maybe tackle racism via Hayden Panettiere learning how to crump and doing yeah. it in such a way. <laughs> That makes me want to die every time I watch it. Yeah. And then there's going to be a girl who's slightly racist to Rihanna. And then nothing really happens to her. She just kind of gets a little bit embarrassed. No. Yeah. And I just feel like one of the major complaints, maybe not at the time, but since in the years since Bring It On came out was how little time we got with the Clovers on their own because it could have been more balanced um, mm-hmm. and that would have been more entertaining. And like the fact that um, they shot scenes for the trailer of the first Bring It On movie with the Clovers that aren't even mm-hmm. in the movie because they knew they don't even exist. They're like not scenes. Um Because they knew it would help the marketing of the movie. So the fact that that happened, and now we're on to this third movie, and, you know, theoretically, I could understand the impulse to f- do a flip, like, to do an inverse version, but the fact we're only seeing the school because Hayden Panettiere is there, and yeah. it's, like, yeah. her life, like, her life's singular inconvenience of being there. It's, like... Y- they don't want you there anyway. Like, this isn't your <laughs> cross to bear, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> with the, um, no. the, uh, what's it called? Metal detector and, like, all that shit. Oh. It's just. <sighs> oh, it's, yeah. it was bad. Well, I also wrote down about the metal detector. I was like, you mean to tell me? That she's like the only person with a belly button piercing (laughs) in this school. And then you go to the practice and you can see, I think it's uh, like Harisha has a A belly button. Belly button. Yeah. I'm like, it's literally right there. And I get why she was like offended because like she comes from a school that wouldn't dare have metal detectors. But like, I don't know, just be a decent person. Mm -hmm. Just be like, oh, I have a belly button ring. Um, and then when, like, he goes lower and it's supposed to be yeah. like, oh, what type of other piercing do you have? And she's like, oh, it's my keys. Like, <laughs> first of all, take all the shit out of your pocket first. Like, you've been I to an airport. To do. Yeah. <laughs> you've been to an airport. Like, don't act like this is yeah. just so new and different. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I have mm-hmm. an I have an interesting yeah. question or, like, just thought I had about, about this movie, too, is that so— Hayden Panettiere's parents are like, hey, honey, we got to like your dad lost his job where we have to move, blah, blah, blah. They're so chill. Like they are (laughs) extremely fine with it. They're like, yeah, this is just what's happening. Like, sorry, you know, whatever. And then it happens. And I just think 
that it w- the movie is just not an accurate portrayal of how like a parent's attitude would then be passed on to a child to be like racist essentially and to judge the community and yeah. all that stuff. So the fact that Hayden Panettiere's character is like so freaked out and and um, making all these judgments, but the parents are not. It's just super chill about. I don't. I also think it's strange, like not to say that this is just completely uncommon, but a thing that I noticed in going back and watching this movie now as like a person who who's had to do a commute before, they said that they're only moving like an hour away. Yeah. Like it's not like a crazy commute. So I'm like, is it worth moving your entire <laughs> life for an hour commute? Yeah. I don't know. It seemed like a bigger deal when I was a kid because I'm like, wow, an hour is so long. When I'm like, <laughs> for a commute, it's not like, it's not that long. No. Like, it could be longer. But you're right. They are, her parents are also, like, completely, it just, you could have put, like, a cardboard cutout of parents and they would have done the exact same thing. <laughs> yes. Um, but her parents are just so weirdly chill and they're just like, yeah, it's going to be fine. Like, we're moving. And then also another weird thing. I don't know if we're on the bad thing yet. So I don't, I. We're, we just go maybe. there. <laughs> okay. We got there. We got there. Yeah. But I, another thing that I noticed, I think the mom at some point in the movie refers to Hayden Panettiere's dad as like daddy. And it was so <laughs> weird. And I was like. Ew. <laughs> I didn't like it. Like she just, it's something like weirdly not sexual between the two. Cause like they're married essentially, but like she refers to her, like talking to her daughter, like, yeah, daddy like wants us to do X, Y, Z. I can't remember the line, but she's, he says, it. I'm like, why would you say that to your daughter? Especially in a, like a serious conversation. Her delivery was just, it was just like, it's she weird. was so like this the whole time and then she says like yeah daddy wants I'm like okay yeah not kink shaming but (laughs) I yeah (laughs) I just don't see a mom like that being like why is it a big deal you have to leave your cheer squad and your quarterback boyfriend like she like doesn't get why that she doesn't get it yeah I'm like I feel like that mom absolutely would get that so I I don't know that's strange Also, just speaking of the family situation, it's a red flag to me when dads call their daughters princess (laughs) in movies and he calls her princess. So just add that to Between daddy and princess, this family is, I I can see why Hayden Panettiere, I don't know why I'm just completely blanking on her name because the majority of it is spent with Solange calling her white girl. So in my head, it's Brittany Allen. Brittany. Of course it is. Of course it is. It's a perfect name. It's a perfect name. I'm not shocked that Brittany has so much autonomy as a teenager because her parents are just so distant. Like they're just so doing their own thing. And they're only there to like be a vehicle for her to move to this new like high school. Yeah. Just the the um the setup of the movie is flimsy, <laughs> extremely flimsy. It doesn't feel grounded at all. And so I think from the beginning, I'm just like, this is only going to go downhill from here. <laughs> and downhill it does. It's like the fact that we haven't even gotten to her getting to the new high school. <laughs> the entire 
like first few shots of Crenshaw Heights and then the first interaction she's having with people when she gets there. I was like, so this is really how it's going. <laughs> like it almost felt like a sketch. A like it didn't, like it felt like a, mm-hmm. like satire almost, like a parody. Breakdance um, spinning on your head that's, like before 8 a.m. <laughs> that had me dying. Before 8 a.m. <laughs> it, I mean, I will say I went to a high school not too different from Crenshaw Heights. I can't mm-hmm. say that anyone was breakdancing <laughs> at 8 a.m. If anything, people were like slowly like drud- No one had that much energy yeah. that early in the morning. Yeah. Um, but it definitely yeah. whoever wrote this felt like, okay, what is the blackest thing I can think of that happens at a high school? Breakdancing and some random guy like coming up to a new girl and like being somewhat harassy to her. Yeah. Like it's just a lot mm-hmm. of very big stereotypes mm-hmm. in the first couple seconds of us like seeing her at this new in this new environment. Yeah. I'm just like confounded in general at this whole this whole creative team uh setup because this this movie other than all yeah this is an important all the, interesting part yeah, all the other bring it on movies are written by white people but this movie is written by a black woman specifically i'm shocked yeah I'm i was shocked. shocked too after yeah. i watched i was like huh i was like i'm surprised and then that led me to wonder like what what her original script was maybe how it was changed, how it was morphed and commercialized mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever happened with the the other, the rest of the team who are all pretty much white dudes exclusively. And it's interesting because the woman who wrote the screenplay also wrote like a ton of episodes of the Wanda Sykes show and Everybody Hates Chris. So has written a lot of like very positive representations of black people, obviously, and like culturally important shows. And so what happened? I just was like, what? I mean, the thing is, it's shocking, but it's not because certain aspects of this movie, I'm like, okay, that does feel like there's some authenticity to that. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that to keep up with the like Mm -hmm. mid to late 2000s raunchy teen comedy tone, they probably told her to like punch up some parts Mm -hmm. and maybe certain things that were written in the script were not cringy, but how they were performed and shot ended up being cringy. Totally. I'm sure mm-hmm. the scene. I'm sure the scene where Brittany is learning like to crump, <laughs> and she's learning what crumping is, was meant to be this beautiful cultural exchange <laughs> moment, <laughs> and it just didn't turn out that way. I'm okay. So that it's shocking that a black woman wrote this, but also there are certain mm-hmm. aspects of it that I'm like. I I can see it. I can Mm -hmm. understand it. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make it any less shocking. Yeah. I felt the same way. There would be moments where it seemed to like dial back into reality a little bit. And I was like, whoa. I was like caught off guard (laughs) by it. And then it it was just going like so rough. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I wish we could somehow be privy to the knowledge of like the development of the script. And it would be really interesting to know. How much of this movie being so weird do we think is, like, reliant upon Hayden Panettiere's performance and, like, aura overall? I would say it's hard, like, 70-30. <laughs> yeah. Because she's she always, like, you know how she's an ice princess, if you may recall? <laughs> like, 
like, <laughs> like her Classic. playing an athlete makes sense to me, but like being like the, like a, like a Valley girl type character just like doesn't fully go for yeah. me for some reason. I don't know why. I just don't think that she fully commits to it. Like she commits to it more in this movie in the beginning. Um, like when she's being very like, you know, big and dramatic about like burying her pom-poms or whatever it is. Right. Um, but there's just something about it that I'm just like, <laughs> what's going on? I think she's, was she in getting this role? She's like, ah, dream role. I would have loved to have been in the first Bring It On, but I was like 11. And so she saw Kirsten Dunst give a master class in acting in Bring It On 2000. And was like, I'm going to do that. And then everyone was like, you are surely attempting to do that, but you're not quite Torrance. Like, you don't have her zest necessarily. Mm -hmm. And also she's playing opposite, like, other people who are out acting her. Oh, yeah. In a way. So I think it, it just doesn't. She feels out of her depth for a lot of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Especially in, like, the romance parts. Like oh, the, yeah. The, yeah. The scene on the rooftop. Jesse slash Gus. Um, the scene, like, he's really, like, giving a very, like, I would say, like, good performance. And, like, being mm-hmm. very, like, earnest. And, like, you can definitely tell that he's feeling her. And she, Hayden Panettiere does this thing where she's just, like, I didn't know. (laughs) That's so, why would you do that? I'm like, Hayden, Lord have mercy. Do you have anything else to give us? Anything else? It's in the scene where like Brad comes and like, and Jesse's delivering the pizza or the flowers, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, I I had no idea. It's just the same thing. Like, very hushed tones. A lot of hushed tones for this movie about cheerleading. She also suffers from yeah. the white girl clumsy trope in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Like, you are literally a cheerleader. That does not make sense. <laughs> You're coordinated. That's the point. Like You're right. Like, it's a cheerleading movie. She sh- this shouldn't be happening. No, like that's unsafe. Like you need to you need to stop right now. Um, they didn't give Torrance didn't have that either. She doesn't fall, does she? I don't think, no. I don't think so. They give. I think they give the like. I guess flaw of Torrance is that she's very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, she's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, we can figure it out. Like, we can make our own routine after all of our routines have been stolen. Yeah. Um, and, like, her enthusiasm, I guess, is what is supposed to, like, be her her flaw, like, her character flaw. But that kind of makes sense. Cheerleaders mm-hmm. are supposed to be enthusiastic. A clumsy cheerleader, and she's meant to be the head cheerleader, makes no sense. Zero. Literally makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like... Just compared to the first movie, the conflict is so unclear and convoluted in this movie compared to the first one. Um, because you've got conflict within her new team and conflict. Like, there's, like, no clear conflict. Do you agree with that, Hannah? I feel I feel like it's more, like, <sighs> it's complicated because it's, like, 
Internal conflict with Brittany is clearly the most important one to the movie's structure. But then there's also the rivalry with Winnie, which I feel like is the actual antagonist. And then sort of like in the in the classic tradition of Bring It On, it's like the interactions with Solange are more of a obstacle. It's like a plot point more than it is like a central problem. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I a beat of the story. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it never feels like Solange really ends up ever liking Brittany, like yeah. she, like they come to a consensus and they're able to like be on a team together, but it just seems like Brittany's presence constantly annoys Solange, like throughout the entire thing. Okay, we'll talk about the fat cheerleader. We'll get oh there. Oh my God. Um, but when yeah. she like allows her to go like check on the fat cheerleader at the competition <laughs> like that's like the one moment where she's like nicer to her and then I guess like when it's like revealed that she has this like romance going on with Jesse she's like fine with it yeah like um, she's like okay like sure and she's like this doesn't uh, impact me at all can I begin the fat cheerleader discourse go for it you absolutely can <laughs> okay okay so like we have covered a lot of movies in general, but we've also covered a lot of movies that like scratch, like not scratch the surface, but like get into this sort of talk, like argument for bulimia, for example. Like, I feel like I've heard things like that before. I also just thought it was funny because she has like the ideal ass for white girls now. Literally. <laughs> Like, that was just really funny to me. Um, and so, like, I think to me the thing that I just found so surprising was, like, it wasn't just, like, a gag at the beginning. Like, they dragged that shit out the entire movie. Yeah. Which was exceptional to me. And it became, like, it, a wrong that she had to write at the very last second. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, and she has to get saved by the, like, smaller, like, cheerleader to be like, hey, stop doing that and like she's been starving her I that's the first thing I noticed when I watched this recently mm -hmm. I was like she just has a fat ass that's literally <laughs> it like yeah. she has like a fat ass and is skinny literally everywhere else mm -hmm. and I'm like and she's the fat cheerleader yeah, yeah. come on come on yeah. yeah there's no way and the portrayal of her at the very end with the fucking like Chocolate, chocolate on her face and being like, oh, it's fine. It it runs it runs in my family. What are you what are you talking She's about? She's like, we all have ass. big asses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know if it's like the cultural context, because like, you know, 2000s, like having like like white girls having a fat ass wasn't like a big thing mm -hmm. yet. Or like universally having a fat ass wasn't seen as like a good thing. Um, minus like in the black community where it's like having a fat ass has always been like a, a good thing to mm -hmm. have. Um, and I'm guessing they were approaching it from that standpoint, but like watching yeah. it now, it's like, girl, that's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, and You're also just bragging. like the body consciousness of the whole thing, like how one of the first or not, I guess, not one of the first things, but like one thing they make a really big point of making sure you hear about Crenshaw Heights is like, we have to fatten you up to be on this team versus you have to be super skinny yeah. to be uh, on the other team. Um, I was like, 
cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I was like, nice. (laughs) (laughs) And like, they just are a legitimately really fun to watch team, which is not how uh, Britney's original team is like at all. No, they're so like between. First of all, like I said, the actress who played Winnie, it a lot of the things, <laughs> the mean girl fit a little too much. Like she was yeah. doing a little bit too, like she was believably awful. Yeah. And just so terrible to not only her teammates, like now be it the, the dumb one, she was a little bit dim. Yeah. yeah. Which she didn't have to call that out. Uh, Brianna, <laughs> she just had, she just had like a little bit of a fat ass. Um, but in those uniforms, I get how it's like mm-hmm. a big deal because it's okay. I'm putting my cheerleader hat on for yeah. a little bit, but high school teams don't tend to have uniforms that show right. your midriff or yeah. like skirts that short. Um, those tend to be for like all-star teams and it's possible that like that high school had like an all-star team that did competition cheerleading so Mm -hmm. you would have that type of uniform but like you wouldn't typically have like a completely different uniform showing that much skin like that doesn't usually happen until like college or if you cheer for like a gym Mm -hmm. yeah so it was just weird I'm like first of all they're like uh what is it called bloomers or like gold bloomers that are basically like underwear showing like their midribs basically stop right under their their boobs yeah is this a high school what type of uniforms Uh are these yeah Yeah. I also like when I had my like realistic cheerleading hat on was like this style even like the style of cheer that they're doing is collegiate like it's like not a high school thing at all and even like the format of the competition um is just like non-existent for high school so I I, like just coming from that perspective it's like not a thing but I guess it's an easier it's an easier way to combine high school and cheerleading than Mm -hmm. if you want a competition to be involved because I mean, what if it was like a realistic high school cheerleading movie and they're like, what would would they be at the games? Like, would this would it be like a final battle, like on the field or something like what what would they do? And the first movie kind of explains this, though, like they like in the beginning when Missy joins the um the team, she's like, what are you, like, what do you guys do? Like cheer at football games? And Torrance is like, no, those are like practices. Like we are a competitive yeah. like team. So we like go to competitions and everything. This movie just kind of, it's just like. <clears throat> we're not interested. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to explain the mechanics of the cheer world to you. If you're watching this movie, you probably already know. We yeah. don't have to explain it. <laughs> to end cap this, to this uh, specific topic, maybe I wrote down. Are cheerleaders pussies this out? That was my <laughs> statement. Because <laughs> it's like, especially when they're doing like the leg up thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, is that they, really they how are. it is? Yeah, yeah they are. They're out. They are like, they out. are out. They're out. <laughs> Lips out for cheerleading, I guess. But yeah. they, it's, and that's why you like, you wear bloomers and you're supposed to wear that over your underwear yeah. to give you some extra, like, Coverage. protection. But that's why, like, in the first movie, it was so scandalous and, like, 
to show, what's her name? I forgot her name. Uh, Courtney, like she was the slutty character because mm-hmm. she didn't wear anything under her uh, her bloom. They call them spankies, but like yeah. she didn't wear anything under her bloomers. But it's supposed to give you that extra protection because your lips are like always <laughs> going to have the opportunity <laughs> to be out at yeah. any point. Yeah. yeah. I was like, damn, this is just a lot. But again, it plays into the this is not high school. This is collegiate energy also. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't just have it in college. Like, I guess it wouldn't make sense for her to like change colleges and like have her parents be involved. And Mm -hmm. that's probably why the second movie is so like not memorable because it does take place in college. Oh, Um, okay. Mm. Yeah, we're so not bringing like, on scholars the yeah, way it's you like, are. I, under, <laughs> I understand. It's like they tried every possible aspect that this setup could happen in. Like that's what all the movies mm-hmm. are. I think I I have an I like a, a thought. I've opened up my third eye in thinking about why <laughs> this second movie was not successful, and I think it plays into like the thing that always happens with teen comedies and that they like seeing older people in extremely young roles. Mm-hmm. So if they're in college, they're all legal. Yeah. Like they're all like it, there's no sex appeal there. Um, there should yeah, be. And like, you know, it's like, gross, <laughs> but yeah, like it's nasty. Like yeah. it should not mm-hmm. be that way. Um, then they like go back to high school in the third one. Then the fourth one is at a cheer camp in Universal Studios. <laughs> not going to lie. That one's a sleeper hit. That that one's one of my favorites. <laughs> I won't lie to you. It's not good, but I love it. Yeah. And wow. And then they like keep going back to high school. You know mm-hmm. what I was surprised didn't come up in this Bring It On that is there in the first one is the whole like guys cheerleading is gay thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not in this movie at all. And I feel like that it could have been. I mean, I don't miss it, but I just remember it being a thing in the first one a lot. But there's also just like the whole the whole thing in the first one is it's gay to be a guy in cheerleading. And then the guys are like, yeah, but we get to like touch girls, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Misogyny all around. Like that was their counter argument. Yeah. Because they literally showed that scene where they're like helping each other stretch, which first of all, I've never cheered with guys before. I know that no one stretches like that. Mm-hmm. Like nobody is stretching in that way. Like one person behind the other, one person on top of yeah. the other. Like it's very clinical when it comes to stretching. <laughs> yes. And they're, like you said, their retort is, well, we get to be on top of them. Yeah. But one of them is still gay in the movie. They just don't <laughs> yeah. ever say it. So. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you know what? Maybe that is highly realistic, actually. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's, I just thought it was interesting that theme didn't come back at all in, 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 that, this, I, in this one. I imagine that maybe it's because, I mean, like, I don't. Yeah, there are, like, guy cheerleaders on the Pirates team. They don't get lines. But the yeah. ones on the Crenshaw Heights team, I guess it's because, like, they, they're they more dancers yeah. than they are cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, they do their whole prompting thing. Mm-hmm. And stunting. Well, and they also, stunt. yeah, they're also giving them, like, level 10 out of 10 horniness straight out of the gate <laughs> for <laughs> girls. <laughs> So, like, I think that that is supposed to clarify also. But then, but then when they're at the competition and the guy who's, like, the most handsy is, like, losing it for Rihanna, I was like, hmm, is this supposed to be a statement? 
<laughs> but then, but then he reels it back so fast. I was like, well, maybe he's overcompensating. Mm-hmm. You never know. Story here. <laughs> it's not the words that are on the page. It's the words unspoken. <laughs> That's the real story. It's the gaps that we have to fill in ourselves. Wait, also, did you do cheerleading? Yes. Okay. I was a cheerleader for like six years. I cheered because I watch Bring It On. Oh, my God. Oh, okay, this is important information. Like, yeah, that's crucial. That's mm-hmm. crucial. <laughs> that's like the reason why I'm so into this franchise is because I saw it when I was like seven years old. And mm-hmm. I told my mom, I want to be a cheerleader. And so I did like, uh, uh, like, what is it? Um, like Pop Warner, like, you know. Like extracurricular, not for my school until I got to high school. Mm-hmm. And then I did it up until junior year. So wow. I was a cheerleader for like seven years. Oh my God. What happened junior year going into <laughs> senior year? I just didn't <laughs> want to do it anymore. <laughs> okay, good. I, I joined not for the right reasons, number one. And number two, <laughs> my second reason for wanting to be a cheerleader is I just wanted things like jackets and like bags with my name on I it. I mean, yeah. Um, Me too. So... <laughs> <laughs> Never was about the cheerleading for me. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I should like pursue something that I'm actually interested in. Got it. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is under problematic, but it's also just like a question in general, which is the very ending of the movie when they're at the competition and basically Crenshaw Heights ends up like intimidating them into <laughs> submission. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like with the crumping, it's like the crumping comes back. I was just like <laughs> crumping used hmm. as a cinematic tool. <laughs> I'm just like, I, <laughs> please. Like a plot point. It was crazy. <laughs> They, like, the crumping really is the most consistent, like, character growth arc that's used because at the beginning, Brittany is like, what are they doing? And they're like, oh, it's it's crumping. It's like dancing. And she's like, oh. And then (laughs) she, in an effort to get to know her new team, is like, (laughs) I'm going to try crumping. I'm, I'm. I'm finding it difficult to hold myself together right now because <laughs> that scene played like that is my sweet paralysis demon. Just that scene <laughs> playing where she's just like, like no rhythm. So bad. Whoever told her to do that set her up. Yeah. She, <laughs> I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was the director, the screenwriter, her fellow castmates. Yeah. Like someone should have told her. It's not no. it. There's just no way it. that Solange wasn't <laughs> laughing. <laughs> yeah. There's just no way. How do you guys move so fast? I could probably show you better than I could tell you. Oh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't know what to do. It's like street theater. Improv the anger in you. I don't have any anger. <laughs> You're a rich white girl stuck here in Crenshaw Heights. Please, you should be the angriest person in here. I struggle to believe that she like, because I think she's like sort of in the background, but like not that clearly. So I think <laughs> she, I, I would be laughing. I mean, it's hilarious. 
I'd be losing my mind. They would have to like keep the camera hard on <laughs> yeah. her because I would be losing my mind in the background. But then like the problem is they don't play it for comedy. They play it straight. so straight. Yep. And Jesse like comes up and he's just like doing this to <laughs> no. her, like backs her up into a wall. I I watched that scene through my fingers. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then it like it comes back because like you said, they use crumping as a cinematic device. Yeah. So bad. Crumping is like what gets them everywhere. She's like, if we add this stuff to our routine, we'll be unbeatable. (laughs) Like it comes up so much. And also, am I wrong in saying that like crumping aside from this movie was very much like a blip on the cultural radar? Like, is that even a thing that ever comes up now? Like, did that movie popularize it? Like who put it there? I do think that like because crumping had been like a dance, not to say it was a popular mm-hmm. dance move around that time in the black community. It was something like they were like crump specialists, like those who did it yeah. almost like professionally. <laughs> yeah. And then the minute it made it to the mainstream, probably via this movie, they were like, oh, yeah, never mind. No. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Hayden Panettiere killed Crumping. I'm going on record. Yeah. She killed it. Oh you know what God. else is an unsettling thought? Is that that <laughs> scene was most likely filmed without any music. Like, pretty silently. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Like, it definitely was because, you know... That's, a us- that's what you typically do with a scene that has music in it anyway. But, like... The her movement doesn't go to the music at all, so oh, no. you know. Oh my God! And you can also kind no. of like hear her talking, like this, like the foley of everything going on. Like you wouldn't be able to hear that if music had been playing over it. So it probably was Just, in silence. All you could hear is the squeaks of sneakers <laughs> on like a yep. gym floor. Yep. And I'm. I can't remember. Were there people like? Hyping her up? Kind I don't of. think so. Uh, they sort of are. They're they're a little <laughs> hesitant. They're a little hesitant to do it, but they're like, okay, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that her wow. name is Brittany just adds so much to the whole thing. It really, unfortunately, is Britney Spears' impact because so many movies, if you had a character who was blonde yeah. mm-hmm. and like a white blonde girl was almost always going to be named Britney in yeah. any movie or TV show. Wow. The thought mm-hmm. of that her doing that with no music <laughs> is so <laughs> hilarious and also incredibly unsettling. And I don't know how <laughs> no one on set, and I'm sure if you go back and watch it really like, really just like comb over every frame, there is someone in the back losing their mind (laughs) at her like really giving it her all no rhythm and that's supposed to be her getting connected to jesse yeah Yeah. crumpy yeah i also have to say this is unnecessarily mean also but i feel like (laughs) i feel like the hair straightener just like destroyed her hair in this movie like it looks like Super fucked up on the ends. And I'm like, <laughs> everyone fine. else's hair looks so good that it's like, 
just, it's saddening all around. It reminds me of my youth, though. A lot of people had fried hair like that. (laughs) It's it's very authentic. She probably was frying her hair every single morning. Yeah, Yeah. probably. I'm going to be thinking about that for the rest of the day. It already (laughs) sometimes haunts me. Like every once in a while, I'll think of like my brain... I guess to, you know, keep me on my toes would be like, oh, let's think about Hayden Panettiere crumping and bringing on all or nothing. But now I think I've switched it to let's think about Hayden Panettiere crumping and bringing on all or nothing with no music. (laughs) (laughs) No. And that is supposed to be, oh, she's now a part of the team because she embraced crumping. And I didn't even think about it. But what you said earlier of like, she's like, yeah. We should put this in the routines. (laughs) She was like, we will be unstoppable if we put this in our routine. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, that's the thing she's right about. Yeah. That like Solange is like, no, like obviously not. Obviously not. And like, I don't know, Solange gave me the vibe that she was a captain who like read the rules and she saw like what what routines like got people wins and stuff. And she was like, maybe we don't crump (laughs) in the middle. And also like that probably went against a rule. Yes. In like some type of rule book. She might've been right to be like, Hey, let's save the crumping section for another time. Yeah. We don't need this. And you know what else conflicts that is like at one point, Hayden Panettiere like tells Solange, like, you can't do this. And she, like, slaps her butt. Like, she's like, you can't do this. And she, like, pulls her leg. Like, what is she? She's saying we need to add crumping because your routine is inappropriate. And then Camille, a.k.a. Solange, is like, okay, yes, but, like, we don't win, but we are known for our routines. So Mm -hmm. that setup doesn't really check out because if, you know, doing, if, if, like, they didn't even Were you about to bust their, it out? They didn't even slap their butts like in any routine. So I yeah. don't know where that comes from. But surely crumping is illegal in cheerleading if that is illegal in cheerleading, you know? It has to be. And I do think in the final routine, they do do a move where they kind of like slap yeah. their butts because I remember for whatever reason, they chose to put in like a whoosh sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's, you know, the best of both worlds. You can have a little ass slapping yeah. and you can have a little crumping. And overall, that's what's going to win Rihanna's heart, apparently. Yeah. Well, I guess, too, the idea is that once Rihanna comes on the scene, the judges leave. Like, the yeah, judges leave. all bets are off. And so, yeah, they're like, now we can do all the illegal moves to, like, show out for Rihanna. And then she's just what I love, too, is that Rihanna was probably on set for one day. I'm like mm-hmm. not 100% sure it was one day. because, And they just have her standing in the room and they're like, hey, Rihanna, can you just look like you're enjoying a performance? And she's just like, <laughs> yeah. She's uh, really giving it her all. <laughs> yeah. I'll never turn down Ponda Replay yes. era Rihanna. I love that they just play that at the end. I know. because yeah. so funny. <laughs> The ultimate <laughs> marketing scheme for her and for Bring It On, too. 
You'd think there would be more Rihanna songs, but maybe she just didn't have that many songs at that time. Because I think yeah. they just play Ponder Replay and SOS yeah. at some point, yeah. like, in the in the movie. But those are the only two, like, Rihanna right. songs. Right, right. Also, that, like, tiny Oh Mickey reference, it, it goes, like, the, Oh Mickey, you're so fun, you're so fun, you're mm-hmm. But it's, like... 10 seconds long and in the middle of the movie. Like, I, I don't really... It was basically a scene transition. I was like, that's yeah. a weird place to put that reference. And then, like, the credits are also similar in style to the first movie, but not really. <laughs> yeah. They were trying so hard to make this movie a tribute movie, and it fell so flat. Oh, it did. My goodness. It's true. So, ultimately... Is this movie good, and does it really matter if it's good? <laughs> to to me, it's not a good movie. But as, <laughs> as we've seen, I don't care about whether a movie is good or bad. Did I have a good time watching it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And even in <laughs> us talking, like, we talked a lot about the Crenshaw Heights team. I'm getting memories of all the weird things that happened with the Pirates team, especially with, like, Winnie. First of all, scene number one with her doing whatever that was in front of the team to Brad. Yeah. The Um, Pussycat Dolls tribute act. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about lips out for cheerleading. My goodness. (laughs) I was like... You, okay, like, you do whatever it is you need to do. It's crazy you're doing this outside on high school grounds. Mm -hmm. You're seducing your former best friend's man. And then he says, like, oh, can you help me with the algebra breast? I'm like, ugh, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. And and then at the homecoming or whatever, Mm -hmm. where she's just like, I had sex with Brad Warner. Yeah. I'm like, where are are the chaperones? Where's the assistant (laughs) principal? What is going on? So those are like moments where I'm like, this movie is by all accounts, not good. Yes. I had so much fun (laughs) watching it. And that's why I go back to it. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree on all counts. Yeah. Now I, I also agree. And I'm going to watch the other ones. Like I need to be a more well-rounded, bring it on. I I viewer. will say, no one asked, but I will say, if you want a ranking, first of all, the last one, you don't need to see. It's like Cheer Smack or something. You don't need to see. Yeah, that. yeah. Cheer That's smack. not necessary. Okay. Yeah, it's like, I think it's called like, bring it on, hashtag, Cheer Smack. Oh, yes. no. oh I have seen like commentary videos on that one. Just like. It's like, what is this movie about? But of course, at the top, the first Bring It On, there's nothing better than that. Yes. Shockingly, this movie comes in hot at number two. And I think it's just because of how unhinged it is. Yeah. Number three for me personally is In It To Win It. Um, The fourth one, Mm -hmm. just because I like that it takes place in a theme park. And also, it's the movie that gave us the banger that is He Said, She Said by Ashley Tisdale. Really? Okay, I didn't know that. We just were talking about He Said, She Said on our episode, like, last week or, well, at this point when this comes out. It's, like, several weeks ago, but wow. Yeah, someone Mm -hmm. asked us to debate Sneaker Night versus He Said, She Said. (laughs) Do you have an opinion? (laughs) Oh, 
oh, do I have an opinion? <laughs> oh my goodness. When it comes to what I like to call the slut bops that those two released <laughs> post their Disney Channel days. Yes. I love Vanessa Hudgens. I think she's so unhinged and I, I love that about her. Sneaker night, not holding a candle to he said, she said. The Ooh. horrification of Bobby began with that song. <laughs> it is so good for no reason. And it's not because Ashley Tissot has this angelic voice. She cannot sing. Yeah. <laughs> but she she does what she needs to do on that. She stepped into the booth. <laughs> yeah. And she made history with he said, she said. I'm sorry. Sneaker night? Yeah. It's not. See, we were we're sneaker night girls, well, though. No, I hate no, no. to say it. No, 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 no. Uh, sneaker uh, night. We we only chose. Did we sneak- not come to a consensus on we, sneaker night? Hey, 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 hey. We only chose <laughs> sneaker night. For me, I chose it because for some reason it was on my iPod, and I didn't have he said she said on my iPod, so I heard it more. <laughs> and then also, it's hilarious. The lyrical content is. So dumb. Like, <laughs> Ashley Tisdale, she, I, we like rewatched the music videos too. And I was like, mm-hmm. the, Ashley Tisdale brought like a Britney Spears energy. Like she was like a pop, a real like pop presence in that music mm-hmm. video versus Vanessa Hudgens is just clowning. Like she's just clowning. <laughs> but the, yeah. <laughs> the, the chorus being like, Basically, what we're going to do is dance. If you use basically as a word in your course, you're not coming to be serious. No. No, it, there's also, nothing serious about it. Yeah. None of We've talked. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution to the discourse around this versus because people really have strong opinions. And I think it's justified because they're both important pieces of culture to us. So... Regarding Vanessa Hudgens being unhinged, I know that at the time it wasn't okay, but all the time now I'm like, yeah, people are going to die. But isn't that like inevitable? Like, yeah, people are going to die. It's just terrible, but like inevitable? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this right now. She went off. Because they canceled Coachella. Yeah. And she was just like, I'm going to turn this camera on <laughs> and and say my truth. And she got canceled for it. Like, at the time, rightfully so. People yeah. were dying. But she was kind of like, she was in her profit era because, like, she wasn't <laughs> wrong. <laughs> the best part is she said it. And then she's like, maybe I shouldn't be on here right now. <laughs> so good it was just so funny like and you know she had so many scandals like all of the nudes she still was in high school musical too despite the nudes like this bitch has gotten knocked down many times and still just got back up to find new ways to fuck up publicly and i love that oh she has i think she no one wants to talk about it vanessa hudgens paved the way for olivia rodrigo yeah and i'm gonna tell you why she, the way that Vanessa was wilding out for years. <laughs> Unapologetically, yeah. Unapologetically. Her fully was like seen kissing and like doing whatever with Zac Efron. That picture, I always remember that picture of them 
in like a Spencer's and there's like a big rainbow right. dildo behind them. <laughs> like <laughs> Vanessa truly acted on impulse and impulse alone, which led <laughs> to Olivia Rodrigo being able to do like the fact yeah. that she's still on High School Musical, the musical, the series and her album fully had multiple songs with explicit lyrics and everything like that. I'm like, this is Vanessa Hudgens. It's this her work. <laughs> <laughs> it's her work. She, Olivia needs to send her flowers because like, yeah. there's no way Disney would allow her to do what she's doing now yeah. if Vanessa Hudgens hadn't said, you know, it's inevitable. Also, like, it's inevitable. The <laughs> parallel of them both being Gabriella, you know, like they, she mm-hmm. quite literally is following, following in her footsteps. <laughs> but yeah. So good. I agree. It's the so Disney, Disney girls don't have to go through it like they used to. Bobby, this has been a dream. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you for having, this was literally so, I've been beaming for this <laughs> because I, I love bringing it on so much and to be able to, to talk about it with fellow fans. Yeah, It just feels, it feels so, so good. And also to finally give my, my long thought out thoughts on, he said, she said, <laughs> um, <laughs> means a lot means a lot to me so this is so much fun where can uh where can our people find you on the internet oh my gosh i'm everywhere Mm -hmm. and nowhere all at the same time (laughs) um uh, you can find me on tiktok at the afternoon special don't expect me to say anything like slut bops over there Uh, a lot more buttoned up i would say um but you can find me over there on tiktok on instagram at the afternoon special you can find me on twitter at hi, I'm Bobby, H-I-I-M-B-O-B-B-I. I am working on my first YouTube video, which should be out by the end Yay. of this month. So nice. get excited for that. But She's that's, crossing over. I'm crossing over. <laughs> I'm stepping out. Is it like video essay type thing? Oh, okay. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. My first one is going to be talking about Shrek. So if you love Shrek, like, nice. get excited. I was watching Shrek yesterday. <laughs> oh, my God. I showed my boyfriend Shrek the third for the first time because I was like, have you seen? He was like, no. And I'm like, well, we're going to watch it. And it's underappreciated, I think. It's not good, but it's underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all the places you can find me. Beautiful. Okay, well, it was a joy to have you. Thank you for being here again. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. (laughs) This is so fun. (laughs) You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover-cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at toopingpictures.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Sleepover Cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube and Facebook every Thursday. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode or two with a few friends. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman and has theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Our executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next, or leave us one because you like us and it's good for the algorithm and we need it. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. 
and together we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.